Hi, my name is Kate Doyle. I'm a veterinary nurse and I'm on John Little Fair's Never Just a Dog podcast. It's pretty good to have you in here, Kate. And we've got another special guest. Who have you brought yes, in? we do. We have a little kitten. Her name is Orphan Annie. Um, she's five weeks old and I've been hand-raising her since she was about a week old. They're her little birds. That's the best, poor little thing. I just have to ask you, Mm -hmm. Ireland. Yes. What part of Ireland are you from? So I'm from Waterford, Waterford City. It's down southeast of Ireland, so down the very bottom. And how long have you been in Australia for? Nearly 12 years now. I came over in August 2011 and I came over here for six months and here I am 12 years later nearly. What got you into vet nursing? Vet nursing was always something that I wanted to do as a kid. It's always been my passion. Um, when I was a kid watching like TV shows um, about animals and vet clinics, I always said, I want to be the nurse. I never wanted to be the vet. It was always, I want to be the nurse. So yeah, that's where that came from. Did you do your training in Australia or were you a vet nurse back in Ireland before you came here to Oz? So I done a year's training in Ireland um, and then the recession hit. So um, I was working part-time at the time and my hours got cut at work and I got a payout because my hours got cut. So I decided to use that to emigrate to Australia and give Australia a go. So then when I landed here, my first priority was to try and get into vet nursing and how could I do it over here? So I sent my resume out to nearly 100 different clinics in Perth and I heard nothing back until about, I reckon it would have been eight, nine months later, Shannon at Warwick Vet got in contact with me. She had a kennel hand shift and she asked, would I be interested in that? And I was like, of course, I want to do anything to get into veterinary. Um, So she gave me that shot and gave me the kennel hand shift. It was only a three hour shift, three days a week. And it took me nearly three and a half hours by public transport to get there and back. So I was actually traveling for longer than I was working, but I didn't care as long as I got my foot in the door somewhere because I knew once I got my foot in the door, I would be able to work from there. So, yeah. And then Shannon helped me get into TAFE over here to study vet nursing and get my qualification. And I haven't looked back since. How do you get your final qualification in Australia as a vet nurse? So the course that I done here was over two years, part-time, and it is a certificate four in veterinary nursing. So that's the qualification you get out of it. 
and then yeah when I was working or sorry when I was doing studying part-time at the same time I was working part-time as well three different jobs to keep up my like college life as such and pay my rent pay all my bills so I had to end up doing three jobs plus college so that was really hard to keep that and keep that going but now when I look back I'm like proud of myself that I done it all you know that's pretty amazing. So you finish your qualification in vet nursing. Yes. Do you then continue with Warwick Vet where you are now? Yes, yes. So I continued um, with Warwick and I worked there for six and a half years full time. Um, from that three hour kennel hand shift, I went full time and um, worked there for six and a half years. And then I kind of I started to experience burnout a little bit from just working constantly. I was heavily involved in rescue as well. And I'm a very kind of compassionate and empathetic person. So if clients came in and they say couldn't afford treatment for their animal and it came down to euthanizing the animal or surrendering the animal, I would end up getting them to surrender and I would take that animal home and I would look after it. So I just felt like I was always taking work home and never really having time off so doing that for six and a half years has an overall effect so I really experienced burnout pretty bad and decided I need to take a break from the industry for a little while try something else just kind of get my life sorted a little bit and have just an emotional break if anything so I went sales repping for nearly two years but in that time, I realized that I missed the clinic. Even though I needed to get out of the clinic, I still missed the clinic. So after two years, I then decided I need to find my way back to veterinary. But I didn't think I could do nursing full time again. I thought that would be really hard for me to do. So I ended up getting a job for another veterinary company based in Perth in their head office. So I was helping with the running of the clinics in the franchise. And I loved being back in that environment again, um, in the veterinary field again. And then my old boss, Fiona, approached me um, to go back to Warwick as practice manager. So when she done that, I was like, yeah, of course, I'll go back. Because even though I had left, I never fully left. I was constantly going back for shifts all the time. So yeah. How did it feel going back full time? So going back as practice manager, I was really excited about because when I left, I kind of felt like um, the only way I could go back is if I could change things within the clinic a little bit and just make it a bit of a happier environment and protect the other staff from suffering burnout the way that I did. So I was very excited to go back. It was hard to go back because some of the staff that were there were also staff that I had worked with previous. So it was hard to go back and be that kind of authority figure again over them and still have that respect there. But now that like a year has passed since I've been back and I absolutely love being back and we have a really good team now. Like um, all my nurses feel very supported. They know that they can come to me if they have any issues. So that's really good. And I get a great sense of like fulfillment out of that as well, knowing that they feel supported. 
because I don't want them to get burnt out at all. Like, that's what I want to protect them from. I want to jump to something else now. What's your thoughts when I say the word moon? So my thoughts when you say moon are my heart explodes. <laughs> um, moon is my Shih Tzu. He is 10 years old and he has been a massive part of my Australian life. I got him kind of a year and a half after I landed in Australia and he really cemented my life here in Australia. Um, he's been coming to work with me since he was 16 weeks old as a puppy. He's a massive part of our clinic and a massive part of our team at Warwick. There's some days where I don't bring him to work and clients ask where he is, why is he not here? Staff ask where he is, why is he not here? And he just brings so much joy to everybody that he meets and all our clients at work, like everybody just loves him. What else does Moon do for you and what you're so passionate about? So Moon is, has a big part of my life and that's to do with rescue. So he helps me. We foster kittens. We get rescue kittens brought into the clinic all the time, sometimes from like a day old right up to a few weeks old. I specialise in neonate rescue of kittens and puppies and Moon helps me do all of that. So he kind of essentially becomes a foster dad to the kittens and the puppies. Um, he cuddles with them. He helps me clean them. I get up for feeds sometimes every two hours during the night, two to three hours. Moon is by my side for all of it, watching me feed them, cuddling with them. Like he's, he never really leaves my side, which is amazing to see the love that he has as well for the kittens as well as I have and he his eyes just everybody says to me his eyes just show this caring nature like he has really good expression in his eyes he just yeah he loves it and I love that he loves it as well which makes me want to do it as well more and help all of these animals so he's got an Instagram page that I set up years ago for him. And the reason I set it up to begin with was because I was constantly posting pictures on Facebook because I was obsessed with him. Um, and all my friends kept saying, if I see one more picture of your dog, I'm going to unfriend you. <laughs> so I literally went, right. I'm going to set him up an Instagram page and I will make him famous. Like you will eat those words because he will become famous one day. And I set him up the Instagram page. Um, but because of that Instagram page, we have been able to help over 250 kittens. And I think we've helped six, maybe seven dogs, puppies, rescued, rehabilitated and rehomed nearly all of them. How did Moon come into your life? What was the moment? Was Moon a rescue? Moon was actually a puppy that I bought. I had actually been out the night before with my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time. And I had been badgering him for weeks to let me get a puppy. And he agreed probably about four weeks before. But he said, we have to wait and find the right dog. So I proceeded as soon as he said yes to getting a puppy. I went out and I bought the crate. I brought a collar. I bought a lead. I bought bowls. I bought food. So I had a whole set up for nearly four weeks just missing a puppy. I saw a picture of Moon and straight away I was like, that's my dog. I need to go get him. 
So we went up to Mindari. He was at a house there. We went into the guy and they wanted $800 for him. And my husband was like, no, that's too much. So he made me leave without the puppy, which I was so annoyed about. We went for lunch and I refused to eat anything. I refused to answer his questions. I literally said, I will not talk to you unless we go back for that puppy. So he reneged and off we went back to get the puppy. (laughs) I want to go to Mo. Mm -hmm. Tell me about Mo and how Mo came into your life. So Mo was a little puppy that came into the vet clinic I work at. He was eight weeks old. He was emaciated. He was full of fleas and he had a sore leg. Um, Some guys called the clinic to say that it was just a puppy with a sore leg and they had no money. Could they bring him in? So my colleague, Sash, took the phone call and we said, of course, bring him down and we'll see when he gets here. Um, So they brought in this puppy. He was literally tiny. He looked like a four-week-old puppy. And when the guys brought him in, they put him down on the ground and his leg was fully twisted the other way. So we knew straight away this is not good. The guys said they had no money. So we convinced them to surrender Mo to the vet clinic. And I said I would take him home and look after him. We x-rayed his leg and we found out that his actual leg was broken in quite a few places he also had some broken ribs and he had a broken pelvis so from the injuries we he had we suspected he had been kicked from the side at a young age the actual bones were trying to heal themselves and it looked like they were trying to heal for about 10 days so it had been quite a while that little mo was sitting with these injuries which was absolutely heartbreaking and my like stomach just dropped when um I saw how sad he was, scared he was, and how painful he was. Um, so I took him home that night. We splinted his leg first of all, and then I took him home and I took a photo of him. I posted it to my Facebook page, just saying this is the latest surrender case, and my Facebook just blew up of this sad puppy because the expression on Mo's face. Um, It still makes me sad thinking about it. Yeah, so then we tried to fix Mo's leg. But unfortunately, because it had been broken and it was trying to repair itself, it just calloused over. And so it was unrepairable. We tried for about six weeks of physio and splinting it and trying to manipulate it. But it didn't work. So we ended up amputating his leg. He was about 17 weeks when we amputated And after the amputation, it was like his spirit just lifted, like he became a different dog. So even though we had him on all this strong pain relief for his injuries, it clearly wasn't enough because there was still a level of pain there. Because as soon as his leg was gone, within, I think it was about two hours, he was up walking, trying to run on three legs. And I just thought, dogs are absolutely amazing for him to have gone through such a crazy surgery and be able to be up trying to run two hours post-op. It was just crazy. So then myself and my husband, even though we didn't want, not we didn't want another dog, we didn't need another dog. But Mo just literally got in our hearts and 
we decided we have to keep him. Like, he can't go to anyone else. He now has special needs, so he's going to need a lot of support as he gets older. He was an American bulldog, so we knew he was going to get to about 30 kgs. Um, and that would have put a lot of pressure on his three remaining legs. So we knew that he's not going to have a long life. So for the amount of time we have him, let's just give him the best life that we can. So that's what we've done with him. How did Moon take to bringing this new creature back into your house? So Moon was actually not that happy about Mo at all. Um, Moon was always my number one. He was fine with kittens and smaller puppies that came. The first night that Mo came home, Moon was really sad. And I think not even sad that Mo was there, sad as in compassionate. Like he showed a real caring nature that first night I brought Mo home. But then as Mo got stronger and was moving about more, Mo started chasing Moon and Moon was kind of like, what is this? Like, why have you brought this upon us? We don't need this. But then as time went on, they built kind of a friendship Mo, as he got bigger, used to cuddle with Moon. He would bring a toy in and drop it in front of Moon and try and encourage Moon to play with him. So they did become friends eventually. But that first few weeks, Moon was definitely throwing me daggers through his eyes of what have you done to us? (laughs) Yeah, we have to get on. Like, you're here now, so I have to like you. But secretly, I don't really like you kind of thing. How long did you have... Mo for? We had Mo for just about three years. So Mo, when he first came in, as I said, he had the broken leg. We were re-splinting the leg the whole time. And I was making these bandages for Mo. Um, I was customising them, cutting out all different colours and doing like different things. So I made like a Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles one. Um, I made the first one I ever made was Super Pop one. So that was when he first came in because I thought if anything can kind of like put good jujus out there to make him better, it's Super Pop. Give him the name Super Pop and he can be strong and do anything. So then I also made this one. It was a Tato one. Tato is a brand of crisps in Ireland. So I made him a Tato bandage and I put it up on our Instagram. It got picked up by a TV station back in Ireland And they ended up featuring him on their morning show, a really popular show back in Ireland. Is Tato like potato? Yeah, it's like a potato crisp. It's a cheese and onion. So that got picked up by the TV station and then they featured him on their morning show, TV3. And then Toby got in contact, my friend Toby, and wanted to help out however he could to help Mo get the care that he needed. Um, so he ended up sponsoring Mo and he put a donation tin in his restaurants as well to help raise money. Um, and that came in very, very handy because as Mo was a surrender, all the money for his treatment was coming out of my pocket. So having that support really, really helped. Then when we amputated Mo's leg, he needed physio ongoing to strengthen up all the rest of his muscles around his body to help support his weight. Um, so again, that cost a lot of money. Um, so yeah, having that support really, really helped. Mo done really well for the first kind of year and a half that we had him. 
he got stronger. He was really, really good. And then we got this little pug. His name was Cheech. So Cheech was actually another rescue. He was a surrender case again from my workplace. He lived with a homeless lady in her car. Um, she arrived at the clinic one afternoon. Cheech was really sick. She had no money. So I told her I would pay for the vet consult and medication for Cheech and to bring him back if she couldn't look after him. So two weeks later, she arrived back to the clinic and said to me, I can't look after him anymore. I can't give him what he needs. Can you take him? So I, of course, said yes, even though I didn't need a third dog. What did your husband say about that? I literally just kind of brought Cheech home. I said to him, he's only staying for one night. That's my line. Only staying for one night. We won't have him for long. And that was actually the idea. Like when I brought him home, I did not want to keep Cheech at all. The idea was he was going to need a lot of work, surgery and vet work. The idea was I get him all of that and then I rehome him. But then Mo came into the equation. So I don't know how they built such a friendship, but it was like instantaneous with Cheech and Mo. As soon as they met, they just became interwined. I always used to joke saying that Cheech was Mo's missing leg because he was constantly with Mo. About a month after I brought Cheech home, Mo ended up tearing the cruciate ligament on his remaining back leg. So that was a massive blow. He couldn't walk. I knew as soon as it happened that it was bad. Um, so I brought him home and I crated him for the weekend until we could get to the specialist on the Monday morning. That whole weekend, Cheech did not leave Mo's side. So Mo was inside the crate and Cheech was sitting outside the crate with his back against the crate, just wanting to be in with Mo. Um, I would open the door to just give Mo in some food or some water because we had to keep him really restricted and Cheech would run straight in there and just sit with Mo. So as soon as that happened, my husband looked at me and said, we can't give him away. He has to stay with us. Mo used to always want to cuddle with Moon and Moon does not think he's a dog. So he doesn't want to associate with other dogs or cuddle. So when Cheech arrived, Mo and Cheech were just cuddle buddies. That was their nickname. They cuddled all the time. Like I used to call Cheech Mo's pug pillow because <laughs> Mo would literally use Cheech as his pillow. Like it was very cute. I got this lamb teddy bear doll or thing for Mo and he started using that as his pillow. And Cheech got really upset about it. I took photos and they're on our Instagram page. It's really funny to see Cheech's reaction because Mo was up in the armchair with this sheep under his chin, using it as a pillow. And Cheech is on the ground looking bewildered, like, what's happened? Why? Why does he not want to cuddle with me? It was very cute. What happened in the end with Mo? So with Mo, he tore his cruciate ligament. We um, went to see the specialist on the Monday. Um, the specialist said, yeah, his cruciate ligament is torn. Your options are surgery or euthanasia. He strongly suggested euthanasia because of Mo's issues that he only had the three legs. So recovery from surgery was going to be very, very hard for a three-legged dog. He would have to be crated for... Uh, 12 to 16 weeks 
and that meant literally lifting him out to go to the toilet. So so at that stage, myself and my husband kind of looked at each other. We looked at Mo and I just knew from Mo's face that he was not ready to go anywhere yet. So I said, let's do this. Let's do the surgery. So he was at the special hospital for about two days. Surgery went perfectly successful. I took him home. I remember driving back down the freeway to take him home and he had his head out the window and his ears were blowing in the wind and I put on the Toy Story song, You Got a Friend in Me, and I was just the happiest person because he had, like, been super pop. He had been that super pop that I christened him when he came through the door, that he got through such a horrific surgery came through it and was sticking his head out the window with his ears flying in the wind. So then, yeah, he recovered really well from the surgery. It was a hard kind of 16 weeks of making sure that he was resting and that he wasn't trying to play with Cheech and Moon, that he wasn't trying to run around like a crazy dog. And then after the 16 weeks, we went back to the specialist. They re-x-rayed him and the x-rays looked fab. So he said to me, he can get back to being a dog again. So I took him on his first walk. We lived on a property in Swan Valley. We had about half an acre of a kind of field, yard. So I left Mo off the lead for the first time in 16 weeks and he literally sprinted around the garden. He ran so fast that my heart dropped because I was like, please don't fall over. Please don't re-injure yourself. Even though the specialist had said he was fine. You still, after that long and that process, um, you're still so guarded towards him and been back to normal. So, yeah, he was really good. He recovered, like, fabulously. Everything was great. And then in November 2019, he started to become a little bit painful. I noticed because we had just moved house, we'd bought our own house in the hills, and this new house had more steps to kind of get up to the front door. And I noticed he was struggling with getting up the steps. Um, he wasn't as nimble as he had been previous. So we moved into the house. Then myself and my husband were going back to Ireland for Christmas for three weeks. So um, we had a really good pet sitter who came to look after him. And she said, like, everything was fine when we were away. Everything was good. Uh, we got back and the weekend that we were back, I was sitting in the kitchen having breakfast and Mo, Cheech and Moon were around me. Um, Cheech at this stage was going blind. So he kind of always, because him and Mo were so close, he always kind of sat on top of Mo or walked on top of Mo. And because of his blindness, he was kind of more on top of Mo than he would normally be. So I got up, I was at the kitchen sink washing dishes and all of a sudden this fight broke out. Now these dogs had never had a fight before. So straight away I jumped into like action mode trying to separate them. It was Cheech and Mo. Mo had Cheech in his mouth and he was shaking him. I tried to get Mo to let him go but he wouldn't. I had to twist his collar to try and get him to let him go. Um, eventually he dropped Cheech because of Cheech's fat rolls. He didn't really have a good grip on him. So he, Cheech fell out of his mouth. But after Mo had done that, it was like something just clicked in his brain. 
it was like he scared himself so much. I put him straight out in the garden and I looked out the window two seconds later and he was just hyper salivating. It was like somebody had a bottle of water and was just pouring it straight into his mouth and it was running out. That's how much he was salivating. So he had kind of gone into shock mode of like, what have I done? I checked Cheech over. Cheech was fine. His fat rolls <laughs> saved him. So he was fine. And then I went back out to the garden to mow and I was trying to coax him back in. So because of everything Mo had been through and the abuse that he suffered, I never shouted at him. I never raised my voice around him. So this incident, obviously, I raised my voice and I was shouting at him to drop Cheech. So I think that must have like scared him a little bit as well. So when I went to the garden to try and get Mo back in, he was so scared he would not come back into the house. Eventually, my husband came out. We coaxed Mo back in and we checked him over. He seemed fine, but he was there was something different in him. Just something that changed. I said to my husband after it happened, I said, if that was Moon, like we could not go on because just seeing how aggressive Mo became in that moment was so scary. And that was not Mo. Like Mo was the most gentlest dog in the whole entire world. So I just couldn't understand how he reacted like that or where it came from. At the time when it happened, I didn't even think of associating it with pain. I just thought it was Cheech been blind and walked on him and annoyed Mo. So two days later, um, I took Cheech to work because... This incident happened on the Saturday when I was at home, so it was Monday. I took Cheech up to work, uh, to the clinic, to get him checked over. And while I was there, I got a phone call from my husband to say, this will make me sad, um, that Mo had attacked Moon in the garden. Out of nowhere, they were just standing together and Mo just jumped on Moon um, and ripped his shoulder. So luckily, I was in the clinic um, I said to my husband, bring him straight to the clinic and we'll see. So my husband reassured me. He was like, he's fine. He's not caught. He seems fine. So he brought him up to the clinic. Um, about 40 minutes later arrived. And when I took Moon out of the car, I saw straight away that there was a flap of skin on his shoulder that Mo had ripped. So Moon needed a stitch up. He needed to have surgery to fix that. So my husband and I sat there racking our brain thinking, why has this happened? Like, what is going on? So one of the vets at work, Magda, had said, bring Mo up this afternoon and I'll examine him. It could be pain related. And I felt so stupid at that time because I didn't even, it didn't even enter my brain that it was pain related because Mo was on very strong pain relief because he did have from his um, initial injuries when he came in. He had arthritis from a young age. He had lumbar sacral disease. Um, so he was on pain relief his whole life. So pain kind of never came into the equation because I thought it was covered. So we brought Mo to the clinic that afternoon and Magda just palpated his spine and he reacted straight away. She manipulated his hip and his stifle and his hock and he reacted to all of it. So Mo was in severe pain and I did not realise that he was and I just felt so awful. 
So then I went into kind of damage control and I was like, we can fix it. We can just give him more pain relief. We can try different like natural supplements. We can do this. I'll take him to a behaviorist. Like we can fix it. It's not that bad. We can fix it. But then the vet nurse in me came into it and I thought to myself, he could have seriously hurt Moon. If Cheech didn't have the fat rolls that he did, he could have seriously hurt Cheech. Mo was essentially a ticking time bomb in the house and it was not his fault. But he could have severely injured them. And what if next time he does? Then what happens? And I just could not put the other two dogs at risk of that. And it absolutely broke me. Because for Mo's whole life, I was advocating for him and trying to save him. And it got to the point where I could not do that anymore. Um, And that was really hard for me because physically, Mo was still there. He was still eating. He was still drinking. He was still happy. Only for those moments where he was unhappy. So it just really broke me that I had to make that decision to protect the other two um, animals and also to protect me and my husband because I also thought, what if next time he attacks one of us? And it was not his fault whatsoever. It was this pain response that he had. But yeah, it was really, really heartbreaking. And I just felt that I kind of let him down in the end because throughout his whole life, I was the one who, when people said euthanize him like he's not going to get better from this I was always like no 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 he'll be fine like I was advocating for him all the time but this time I couldn't do it any longer so yeah it was really really hard what happened on the days after my so I was very lucky when I made the decision to say goodbye to Mo I have friends that are vets so we were able to let Mo go on our terms and make it a happy kind of saying goodbye to him. So after I made that decision, we, myself and my husband said the next 24 hours are going to be the best 24 hours that Mo has ever had. So we took him to his favourite place um, for his walk. We uh, got him KFC, we got him McDonald's, I cooked him a steak, gravy, chips and veg, got him ice cream, we played with him by the pool, he loved playing with the hose. So yeah, the last 24 hours were just really special, we made sure to make it happy for him. My friend, my beautiful friend Kat, said that she would come to the house to help euthanize him, say goodbye to him. Kat was also the vet that was there that first day that Mo came in to the clinic. Um, so she had been with Mo at the start and it was only right that it was me and her at the end with him, letting him go peacefully with my husband. So, yeah, she came up to the house. She brought him a roast chicken and we laughed about that because Mo has had so much to eat in the last 24 hours that Kat said we need to go through with this now. Like, we really need to euthanize him because he's going to get pancreatitis and we can't <laughs> have another thing to save him. So we need to say goodbye. 
Um, so we did. We'd say goodbye in the house really peacefully. Um, my husband was feeding him chicken. I was cuddling him and Kat was talking so gently and nice to him and he literally just drifted to sleep. So after it happened, I went full vet nurse mode. I had brought home blueies from work. I had brought home all the stuff that I needed to um, get him cremated. So yeah, in the like hour after it happened, I just went vet nurse mode, no emotion at all, just got everything organized. And then after his body left the house, I just fell apart. It hit me that he was gone. Everything got really quiet around the house. All the animals knew and they all kind of gathered in the one room. Um, and yeah, it was just really hard those few days after he was gone. It was really tough. Everybody kind of, like they knew how much he meant to us, but they were also kind of of the opinion, oh, it's a dog. You don't kind of get that sad over a dog, but they really just didn't get the full kind of experience at all. Like I said, like from the moment Mo came in, I was fighting for him. And then all of a sudden, like the routine of medicating him and looking after him and everything was just gone. So yeah, for the first few days, I was just kind of lost because I didn't have that routine anymore. And the house was so quiet without him. Cheech just walked in circles looking for him. So that was really hard. But yeah. Also though, like the com connection that we have with dogs is absolutely amazing. You cannot get that connection from a human. Like your dog is always happy to see you. You can come home and you can be upset, you can be angry, you can be happy, like anything could have happened in your day, but your dog is waiting for you. He's happy to see you. He's there for you. The same thing every single day. There is no way that you can get a human to do that routine every single day. And I think like that stigma is out there of it is just a dog. Like there is a lot of people that have that attitude. But I say to those people, get a dog, live with it, lose it. Yeah, hopefully it lives a long life, but go through that process and come back to me and tell me it's just a dog. Because I guarantee you, you will have a different outlook 100%. How is Moon and Cheech after the loss? So Cheech was really lost. I didn't think Moon would be, but there was definitely a noticeable difference in Moon. Um, Cheech and Moon never really cuddled at all. Moon, as I said, thinks he's a human, doesn't associate with dogs. Um, but in the weeks after Mo, Moon started to cuddle with Cheech. And that, for me, was crazy. And again, it shows the compassionate side of Moon that he does have that massive compassionate side towards other animals. But yeah, Cheech, Cheech took a bit of time to kind of get back to normality as such. He had to adjust to sleeping on his own because he always slept with Mo. 
they were always in the same bed together and we ended up actually taking him into our bedroom and allowing him sleep on the floor of our bedroom which before then he never used to sleep in our bedroom he always slept out in the living area with Mo so yeah it was definitely an adjustment for the both of them and Cheech then went through a lot of struggles after that as well being a pug he came with a lot of health kind of issues he's had six surgeries since he's been with me his most recent one he had to have his eye removed he had uh, really bad cataracts we'd done surgery to try and fix it and he ended up the surgery wasn't successful and the night I took him home after the surgery he collapsed on my sitting room floor and went blue stopped breathing and straight away I was like oh my god what the hell what do I do so I started panicking I rang my husband and started screaming down the phone at him the cheat is dying and he literally said to me Kate vet nurse mode what would you do if you were at work right now if an somebody brought in an animal that was like Cheech what would you do so straight away I went CPR I need to do CPR I need to get him in the car and I need to get him to the nearest vet clinic so I proceeded to start CPR on him I could still feel his heart was going but he wasn't breathing so stuck my fingers down his throat to open his airway and then I just kept doing chest compressions. I got him to the point that he was taking shallow breaths. So I scooped him up, got him in the car. I had him on my lap. I was continuing to do CPR as I was driving. So every time I came to a stop at traffic lights or I was on a straight road with no turns, I was dipping down to give him breaths while continuing to give him compressions. My husband was about 15 kilometers away. He was at a petrol station. So he waited there for me to get there. I pulled into the car park, literally rushed Cheech into his car and continued doing compressions the whole way to the nearest emergency clinic. We got him to the clinic. It was in the middle of COVID. So they were just doing curbside consults. So I rang them to say that we were on the way. And I explained that I had done CPR on Cheech and he was still with us, but they needed to come get him as soon as we got there. So when we got there, there was somebody waiting at the door and they literally came out and just scooped Cheech out of my arms and took him away. And in the moment after they scooped him away, it was like all the adrenaline that was in my body just hit. And straight away, I started feeling my own chest get really tight, like I was going to have a panic attack because of the rush of adrenaline or whatever. So it took me a while to like regain my breath and settle myself down after such a like crazy situation we waited in the car park for about two hours and they eventually rang and said that Cheech was still with us and um, he was in an oxygen tent he could not hold oxygen outside the tent so needed to stay with them at least overnight they were going to give him some medication and they suspected he has aspiration pneumonia so we think during his surgery he ended up aspirating some fluid that got on his lungs um, and that's what caused him to collapse. So he ended up at the clinic for two days at the emergency hospital. He still wasn't able to hold oxygen outside of the tent. So I came up with a plan that I needed to get an oxygen tent for my house for any time that this may happen again in the future. 
because he had a lot of breathing issues in general. So I knew getting a tent would help his overall life longevity in the house. So I arranged to borrow, first of all, the tent from my work. And then I actually fundraised on Instagram to buy him his own oxygen tent for the house. And that comes in very handy because we call Cheech the Reacher creature because we feel like death is reaching for him all the time. Um, He tries to die at least once a week. (laughs) His trachea closes and he needs me to stick my fingers down a throat, open it and pop him in the tent. So, yeah, it's stressful. What a story. So yeah. he's going well now, though? So yeah, yeah, week by week. Yeah. Is there any time that you can just go and lay in there and just, <laughs> like, for yourself because of the amazing work you do? I about it after I've had a few drinks the night before um, and I'm feeling a little bit hungover. I have thought, oh, maybe oxygen, but I've never done it. <laughs> I can't thank you enough coming in, just giving me a glimpse of your veterinary nurse life but also your personal life. Thank you for bringing the little one in today as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really, really happy to come and chat about everything, especially because we do have the Instagram page and we have quite a big following on there. And so people are always kind of interested in the story and following it and the individual story of the pets as well. So, yeah, it's been really good.